0: Hello and welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. You're listening to the podcast for people who want to learn about the government market from the contracting officer's perspective. If you are a contracting officer, we hope to give you a little more insight into industry's perspective. Today's episode is called What is a JNA? So let's get started. Hey, Kevin, today we're going to talk about J&As. We're going to talk yes, about what a JNA is. When and why you would use a and A J&A and who approves them. Now let's start with what what is J and A?
1: I've actually had somebody type me an email say like with the letters J N A. Okay, that's a problem because <laughs> This is why we're doing podcasts like this one. So it's J and A, which stands for justica- Justification and Approval. So there's the the big kind of takeaway. <laughs> it's an acronym with a symbol in the middle of it, which confuses me. Yeah, and
0: it. not not every agency refers to them as J and A's. I've, I've heard them as SSJ, like sole source justification. There's there's different ways to refer to them, but, but I think most of the community use J and as, A as the lingo. I've actually
1: also seen it referred to as a – Justification for other than full and open competition.
0: Yeah, that's Otherwise, way too long.
1: Yeah, it was a Yeah, Anyway, but yes, the, the idea, the J&A term is kind of the standard-ish. It's the most used about that. But yeah, they're basically this, what this really is, it's the primary way that a contracting officer awards a contract without competition when competition is not appropriate.
0: Right, so you're justifying using an acquisition method other than full and open competition. So you're justifying, it's also known as sole source. You're justifying the sole source. And then the approval part is who has to approve you as the CEO doing something other than full and open competition. Correct. And
1: so just to kind of give you, let's dig into the FAR here. You know, let's just, this, is, this is where a lot of this stuff comes from, right? So you go to FAR 6.301A, for example, is where it specifically says that that contracting without providing full and open competition or after exclusions, which we'll get into that, it's a violation of the statute. What that means is that, remember the whole Competition and Contracting Act discussion? We're supposed to compete stuff. So when you don't compete stuff, you got to justify it. That's what this is for. So there are seven exceptions, stated exceptions in the FAR, to not having competition.
0: And only seven. Despite right. the fact actually, that you want a lot more sometimes,
1: And and sometimes you you have to stitch in the story of how do you actually fit into those seven. But that's kind of what we're talking about the seven today. Yep. But here, why
0: this is important? Contracting officer has to cite one of them. Yep. So the, and the JNA is a written document that has to provide this justification and say, I am using this exception to full and open competition.
1: So let's let's go back. Let's, let's use a little baseline discussion here. You've. Heard us talk a lot about the, the for the most part contracts are competed. About 70% of the contracts in the US government are competed. Okay. We have the competition and Com- contracting act that requires that they're competed. FAR 6.1 talks about the full and open competition. FAR 6.2, which is full and open after exclusions, which is otherwise known as the set asides. The eight A's, the hub zones, the service disabled veteran and small business, you know, all the small business set asides. That's where, and again, it's all whole other podcast. But that's where we talk about after exclusions as far as 6.2. Capitalism, honestly, requires that you compete things. We think about it. We want things to be competed, and then for the most part, common sense requires it. It's like, well, if lots of companies can do this, we should have a competition. So those are, that's kind of the baseline is that most of the stuff is competed, all right? But when it's not, here are some examples of why they're not and then really why a contracting officer would use some of these examples and when they use them. Yep. So. We'll zip through the, the seven pretty quickly here, but the two big ones, the ones that are used most often, are the first two, by far the most used. So the first one, and for those of you following along in the far, I love to say that, 6.302-1 is what we call the single source. And the, the long way of saying it is the only one responsible source and no other supplies or services will satisfy agency requirements otherwise known as there's one company that can do this.
0: So the most used and the most misused exception right there, all in one, is there really only one source?
1: Yes, and so um, I'll go from examples here. One would be if somebody has a patent on it, okay, you kind of have to use
0: it. Might be only one. (laughs) Right, if
1: there's a special capability that only one company has, then there might be only one. And let, let me show you what this looks like and by the way, you can Google me and you probably will find the J&A that I wrote about this very story. But we were testing vehicles. And you've, I feel like I tell testing vehicle stories a lot. I apologize. I'm kind of in a testing vehicle stories rut lately. <laughs> but this is actually, I had to write a J&A for doing this. And we needed to test them above 8,000 feet. The reason for that, imagine where these vehicles were going over in Southwest Asia. There were areas that are above 8,000 feet. We'll leave it at that. Well, the point is we need to test them in that environment. Well, Doing this in the United States, a simple assessment of how many spots in the United States is there land above 8,000 feet. So you limited a whole bunch of stuff. And then, as it turns out, there was only one company that had a facility where we could literally drive off road. Because you can't go to you know, Rocky Mountain National Park and, and take a vehicle and drive into the trees. It's not allowed. You got to stay on the road, right? So we needed a facility where you could actually drive the vehicles off road. Above 8,000 feet, well, guess what? There's one, there's one place that that can be done. Yep. So that's an example of what this looks like. So how
0: do you justify one responsible source? Because biggest picture, there's nothing that there's only one source for. If you had enough time and money, you could make another source. It. Other companies could do it. There's only one source now. So that's that's part of the justification. How, how do you justify that in JNA? you have to be able to say it would cost this much money to you know, grade the land to build another testing facility. It would take this much time to do it, and that's simply not acceptable. So one responsible source, there's one that exists. Could there be other sources? Yes, but not without a lot of time and money invested.
1: Correct, and and that's another one of those examples where you go through What it would cost to do this ourselves. If we've decided to contract this out, which that's part of the discussion is we've decided to contract this out, therefore, here's a a company that can actually do it now. Going back to your point of, sure, we could build this ourselves. We could go carve out a part of some park, some national park, (laughs) some, and build our own facility. But we're not going to do that because it would take longer and and there's just so many other variables to it. So if it exists and only one company can do it now then do that. And that's, that's the justification part. And there are lots of pieces to that. But we'll, we'll get to that part
0: right next. So the second exception, <laughs> unusual and compelling urgency. And this one is the second most misused exception. So one good reason to use this is there's a war on. We need to buy something right now or people could die or be hurt. And we could do a competition, but the guys on the ground don't need this three months from now. They need it tomorrow.
1: Exactly. And so the, the biggest example would that would be after 9-11. Or you could probably look at some things that are going on in the world right now. And there are, I guarantee you, somewhere in, in the Department of Defense, there's a contracting officer writing a JNA and for, for unusual, compelling urgency based on, you know, pick something. ISIS, based on what's going on in all the different parts of, of you know, bad guys trying to come after us. And here's the other part of this. It is an unusual and compelling urgency now, but it might not be a year from now. And that's part of your justification is, okay, the short-term fix is we need to get a company to do this right now. Over the next six months, we'll hold a competition.
0: Yep, if you're going to do then- a J&A for unusual, compelling urgency, it better be uh, limited scope because six months from now, you don't have that urgency. You, you can be working on a real c- competitive solution over the next six months, so –
1: and, and I've done that, too, where I think that, again, I'm, I'm going off of memory here. I'm pretty sure some of the agency procedures say that unusual and compelling urgency justification can only be used for a contract of, of one year in length. Particularly, maybe it's only for service contracts. But if you think, you think about what you're saying is I need this right now because I don't have the time to run a full source selection. Okay, well, that argument holds water now, but it doesn't hold up water a year from now. Right. And it doesn't hold water forever. So that, that's part of the discussion. So let me give you an example of what that looks like. So, limited competition, I, I use ur- Unusual and Compelling Urgency, I think it was, I'm pretty sure you'll find this one on the internet too, because they're required to be published, and I think it was in 2010. So, you know, war in Iraq and Afghanistan is, is as hot as it is, and we needed to get be able to get some, i just called equipment, right? And the equipment needed to be, I needed a contract for this in under 30 days. So rather than do a sole source, because I knew there were lots of, com- lot, not lots, but enough companies that could do it, that did a lot, limited competition, and use this justification to limit it to seven companies. I could have limited it to one, but I did want to have competition because competition does have its value. But I wanted to have companies I know they're already doing this for somewhere in the U.S. government, so therefore I know they can deliver. So I'm going to limit it to them, and I use this justification to limit it because I needed to get it done in 30 days. Now, if I needed it in 30 hours, I probably would have just given it to one company. But that's an example of how this can play out. And like you said, this is a very overused... Because some people say, I need this tomorrow because I didn't think I'd need it until now. Well, that's not really a reason. Or I want it tomorrow. That's not really a reason. So be very careful with this. Unusual
0: compelling urgency in the requirement, not unusual and compelling urgency in your procrastination. Correct.
1: And and here's, here's here's the other part of the story. These aren't easy. Going back to you, listen to the recent podcast about targeting why it's important for contracting officers to understand: Do you have a weight class? Are you in the right weight class? For example, I did an uh, urgent, compelling JNA for a a developmental product we needed to have. We did it under a letter contract. Those are hard to administer, and again, that's a whole other podcast. But trust me, if you're only going with one source and you're spending a lot of money, you got to justify how is that money being spent properly and then you have to negotiate with one company under, under fire, basically, because they're already working. Now you're trying to figure out what's this really going to cost? How do we justify it? My point is, all of that takes time. So let's, and I want to make this a big foot stomper. Let's not pretend that just because you can get a J&A to award it quickly, you're necessarily going to save time. You're transferring that time to contract administration. Yeah, that's a good point. So I, let's, it's very easy to say, oh, yeah, we'll just use an unusual that, That's why it gets overused, is that we think we can award it quickly. Mm, okay, but if you award it to a crappy company that doesn't deliver, and you got to do it again. You've also heard me say we don't have time to right, do, it, do it right the first time, but we have time to do it twice. Right. This is how it happens. And it, raising my hand here, I've done that <laughs> because, again, the co- customer needed something right away. And in, in this case, it wasn't the contractor was awful. It's just that they underperformed, and we ended up getting a much better product after going back and competing six months later. Now, did they get their immediate need? Yes, they did. And it, it, it met the, the, the immediate requirement. But it's very easy. I, I caution industry the same way when you say, oh, I can get a contract under an unusual, compelling urgency. That negotiating with the contracting officer to come up with the, what the actual price is going to be through a letter contract, it's not easy for you either. And I can tell you, if they choose to chime in, the companies that I've done this with, they'll freely admit that this was not fun for them either. So be very careful what you wish for and and these are just are slippery slopes but understand that they can be used and they they can be needed.
0: Okay, let's sit the other exceptions, the the less used exceptions in FAR 6302. So dash 3, industrial mobilization. that's hard to say. Industrial mobilization, engineering, developmental or research capability or expert services. So, industrial mobilization. That the example there is there are only two companies that can do this in the world, and one of them is going out of business. So we are going to award to that company. We're going to give them an award to keep a critical capability available. Like, I don't know, say there's only two domestic manufacturers of roller bearings that are a critical component of things that we need to make. We need to make sure that we have access to, to those in time of need so we will actually give a sole source award to one of the companies or both of the companies to keep them afloat and keep that national capability there for us
1: and here's another great example anybody any contracting officers out there who've used this justification let us know because we have not all <laughs> it uh, right it's a I big do. one
0: <laughs> all right dash four is international agreement tell me about that one
1: so a great example there would be foreign military sales so company x has a treaty that says when this stuff is bought it's bought from this company
0: Right. So there's it, political negotiations that correct. some company is going to buy F-16 fighters from us, right?
1: Right. And then there's the other side of that is that when, when we're doing something on their sovereign territory, we have to buy X services from X company. And whether or not you agree with the competition behind that is beside the point. It's an international agreement. Congress got it signed. Let's move on. Yep. And so, just because
0: there is agreement, you don't get to re- do the contract unless you do a JNA and a that cites 302-4.
1: Right. And that's, yeah, that, that basically, this is you saying, I didn't compete this, and here's why. Because yep. Congress has a treaty.
0: Yep. So, dash, <laughs> dash five, authorized or required by statute. This is where it's written into the congressional language that this agency will purchase this.
1: And the example with those would be things like the uh, federal prison industries. There are certain things you buy from them. Um, and I'm trying to, Unicore is what that one is. So, the, another example would be Ability One. Is that they're a they're a, a what do they call that the national institutes for the severely handicapped there's they're required the contracting officers are required to buy certain things from them and this is this is one area that, that that statute's covered again it's not used as often as the other two but that's what it's for
0: yep all right 302-6 is national security when would you use that one
1: that one is just what it sounds like when national security requires it and keep in mind we get into who approves these, these are not approved by the contracting officer. There is not a contracting officer sitting in the desk going, hey, I think this is required for national security. I want to award this contract. It's a whole different ballgame. But yeah, that's, that's just like what it sounds like. Is that, that say that the Secretary of Defense decides, in the interest of national security, this, co- this company has to have this contract. And I'm, I'm making this up, just putting it out there, but I would suspect that's how some of the, the sole source contracts for the evasion of Iraq were awarded, was based on we need we we don't have time to compete these. We don't want to let the world know through federal business opportunities that we're going to be doing this. Ergo, for national security, these would be sole source contracts. Again, that's not, I'm not trying to get into the political discussion of whether or not you agree with that. But that's where that's the example I would probably pick up.
0: Yep. Last one. Same thing. Uh, public interest. This is not something that a CEO probably would sign off on themselves that, that, hey, this is in the public interest for this particular acquisition that I'm going to buy from a single source.
1: And, it, and it, it literally says that. So, again, if there's a contracting officer listening to this who's used this one, I would love to hear the story because, wow, yeah. that's, a, that's a big one. And that one has to be approved at, like, basically at the, at the agency head. So think in terms of, like, the, the NASA administrator has got to sign a document that says, in the public interest, I want to give this contract to this company. That That's a that's a tough explanation, <laughs> and oh, here's the other fun part: is Congress is also notified of this. So, I mean, Congress is getting a letter saying, "By the way, we found this to be in the public interest." So, you're you're telling everybody you're doing it. So, as a taxpayer, you can be okay with the fact that it's, this isn't just happening in a dark corner of the world, or shouldn't be. <laughs> so,
0: so let's talk about what's in a JNA. This is a document. It's going to be pages long in most cases. This is the who, what, why, where, how.
1: Correct and for the, a detailed list, go to six point three zero three two. But essentially, it's things like you got to explain the book we talked about in those examples. You have to explain the authority you're using. Why are you using urgent and the unusual compelling urgency? Why are you using national security? You got to explain the whole thing. You have to do. You have to show the market research that you've done. You have to show what what efforts you've made to actually find competition. And if you you. I don't know, let's say you did a Google search. You talked to a small business administration. You went through all the companies that, you, that you've seen at trade fairs. I mean, there's lots of different examples of how you can do that. But go back and listen to the market research zone. <laughs> you can hear what kind of market research you can do. But you have to explain, I looked. I didn't find anybody. And there, so there's, there's a specific list of things. And, and again, we'll probably do a training webinar on, on that later. And then the last piece is there the, is the contracting officer certification that the JNA is accurate and complete. And this is the part where going back to the, the podcast about the source selection process where I kind of went off on my rant about the idea of you need to own what you sign. This is one of those moments is that the program manager, the customer, the, the politician, the lobbyist, whoever's influencing the opinion here, your name's on it. You're signing it. And I, again, I'm putting my hand up saying, I've screwed this up. Where I, I look, and, wow, that wasn't as strong as it should have been.
0: And to make matters worse, now it's published for everyone to see. Back in the good old days, you could write these and stick them in some musty contract file, and no one would probably look to see what your justification was like. But now you get the pleasure of publishing this for all the companies that you didn't let compete for this to read.
1: Correct. And, and so what, what that actually does, you go back to why a J&A sounds like it might be a, a quick solution, an easier solution. Well, now it's – actually, it's always been not necessarily as easy to award – and administer a contract just because you're doing it through sole source. But this adds another element to it. Is now you're going to hear, and again, it's happened to me. I posted that J and A, and remember, I tell the story of the seven companies that we had award. Guess what? An eighth company literally called me after they saw it and went, "Dude, why wasn't I on that list." And I, I had to explain to him. I said, "Well, you, you don't actually have any contracts yet. You don't have any, the, the, read the document where I talked about." I picked these seven companies based on their experience, back, on they already have government contracts, they have past performance, et cetera. This guy could do it, but he didn't actually have any past performance yet. So because I'd written that in the document, I was able to say, well, right here in paragraph four, this is this is why you weren't the eighth company, because you don't actually have a contract yet. This is how I chose to limit it. But it was really an awkward conversation because the guy was offended and he I would have been too, because I missed out on this big opportunity for a $25 million contract that he couldn't compete for. So that changes the conversation when you put out a JNA and now it's it's seen by the world. Is that you, you got to own it, and when you've done your research and you own it, like I just des- described, then defend your position because you're entitled to, to your opinion, and it's okay to defend your opinion when you've
0: documented it. Okay. Okay. I'll, so let's I'll, talk about who approves these things. <laughs> it for smaller acquisitions. This is usually a dollar level thing. The contracting officer can approve themselves, but. Above that, larger acquisitions—it's it, really agency specific, right?
1: Correct, and and so the the standard number where a contracting officer can approve it by themselves is up to six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Which again sounds like a big scary number, but again in the big picture, it's a, not for for some agencies that's a huge number. Got it. And those agencies probably have have lowered it, but the FAR says six hundred fifty thousand.
0: Yeah, and for so world for example, in SoCOM and the Air Force, it's six fifty, right?
1: correct. And for, for SOCOM, it specifically is $650,000. The Air Force uh, supplement specifically says that the chief of the contracting office has to look at it. Even if it's below $650,000, however, and this is, what, this is why it's important to understand each agency, in that case, it also says that the chief of the contracting office can delegate it to the contracting officer if the contracting officer has the authority under their warrant. So they have the ability to say, you know what, for, and this is, this is the art, not science. The chief of the contracting office for the Air Force can say, I need to review this unless, based on this person's experience, I trust them. And then off they go. So they have the latitude to go both ways with that. And so that can speed up the process. That's actually a good thing. In other agencies, the the head, the head of the, the entire agency must approve it for a smaller one. And here's where it gets really fun. How about some random numbers, right? The agency head must approve things over Sixty-two point five million. I'm not making that up. That's in the far. Sixty-two
0: point
1: five. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. It's not a prime number. They should have picked like you know fifty-seven point one. Or
0: something round.
1: You, you remember it, right? Well, the next threshold where it has to go up, usually to like the Secretary of Defense or something, is eighty-eight point five million. So, the reason we tell you that is when a hundred million dollar JNA, and by the way, I've written one, it went up. All, it went all the way up the chain. You imagine the amount of work that goes into. A hundred million dollar J&A, but my point is, a hundred million dollar J&A. You as a taxpayer need to understand that's not something that gets done in a week. It was months of writing and back and forth and approvals, and, and my name is on it, and so is all the people up the chain. So it's a big stinking deal. Right. So, just I want people to understand that there's a there's an assumption out there that j as are just popped out like you know like chicklets, and they're just not. So unless
0: they're really small. <laughs> all right. So. Before we wrap this up, again, a reminder, these JNAs get published for everyone to see. So as a contracting officer, you need to really have your justification together. It's going to be put up for scrutiny by the people that are not getting the business.
1: And consider that in your, in your discussion on whether or not to do a competition. <laughs> is, is, here's another thing. It's effectively easier to do an RFI and say hey who else can do this we're planning to, in fact that it, there's even a regulation that says you have to post this out there for the world before you do the JNA. so you basically like say something like we intend to do this as a sole source award and you want that feedback because yep. guess what if you don't get any feedback that's what you're gonna write in your jna say we asked we asked back in you know two months ago we asked three times we posted on F- fbo and said hey, can anybody do this and nobody could do it yep so that's our justification so that's that's why it's so important going back to the RFIs. That's why it's important to interact with industry and see who can do it. Because what you really want to do is compete it as quickly as you can. Because I firmly believe that sole source contracts aren't faster. They're, they're That's a whole, other, a whole other podcast. But from experience, they're just not. <laughs> they feel faster, but they're not. It's kind of like cheating on your taxes. It feels faster if they get caught. <laughs> then you've got a real problem. So another big takeaway here is that the FAR specifically says that doing a J&A cannot be based on lack of planning. Now, that's something that always makes contracting officers, including the two of us, making eye contact right now, cringe. Because so many times, it's really easy to say that. But if you don't have the resources to do it, then, okay, I'll put it out there. The one I just described, the hundred million one, one, you could stretch it and say, oh, we should have seen this coming. You know, after 9-11, we should have seen that this contract was going to – that we're going to hit the ceiling faster than we had planned. You know what? Okay, what have shoulda, coulda. So I know that's going to hit a, a hot button with a lot of contracting officers because it's really hard to plan for every scenario. However, you can't write in there, because we didn't have time or didn't think to actually do this contract we knew was expiring in two years, we didn't think to actually compete it, we're going to do a JNA. Okay, that's crap.
0: Or well, we've had and- this requirement for six months, but we need it right now. What have you been doing for the last six months?
1: Correct. That, that's, where, that's where you get yourself in the trouble. Not a reason. So.
0: The, the other great one is end of the fiscal year. My money expires. I can't obligate it on October 1st. So now it's September 29th or 30th. Hey, there's unusual and compelling urgency that I need to <laughs> spend this money right now before it goes away. Ah, that, that doesn't work either.
1: And it's explicitly prohibited by 6.301 C2, Charlie 2. And the reason we're harping on this is that we don't want you to find that far reference on September 29th. <laughs> We'd much rather have you find it now, well, we're in, we're in February. I'd much rather have you find it in February and tell your program manager or tell your customer, because they're not reading this stuff. It's not their expertise. And, and you, customers, and also you, industry, know that the contracting officer is going to give you pushback if your strategy is to, oh, well, just use an urgency JNA to get this awarded. They, you're asking them to skirt the rules. And it's better for you to know that you know, know, your customer's customer, right? It's better for everybody to know this upfront. And that's why we're harping on it so much is that these are things you should not actually are explicitly prohibited from using as, as reasons for a justification and approval around competition. And, and, and there you go. And we could add more and more content to this, but as always, we'll wrap up with, these are the high points. If you're looking for more information, you know, let us know. We'll, we'll probably make a training webinar out of this. And as always, please give us reviews on iTunes if you think we deserve it also look us up on linkedin look us up on, on twitter and interact cuz the reason we're doing j and as is somebody asked for it is that they they wanted to get more understanding of it and that's so we do these based on feedback because we're just trying to help people so
0: great thanks. point talk to you later kevin okay that's it for this week's episode as always if you have questions comments or complaints go to our website at contractingofficerpodcast.com Hit the contact button and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening.